0: Greetings. My ghost story involves an incident in 1981, which literally haunts me to this day. In December of 1980, I had started working as a night watchman at an old factory called DeSoto Furniture in Fort Smith, Arkansas. This factory had shut its doors in the fall of 1978 and had sat empty for over two years. My main job was to patrol the property every hour in and out of the building to watch for fires, intruders, and so on. Not much occurred at this location during my first month. Christmas came and went, and winter began to set in. On a Monday, midway through January, a massive cold front hit the area, which brought with it a lot of snow. As I waded across the snow-covered sidewalk to go into the large, quiet building, I suddenly began to think about some things that other guards had told me. I had heard stories from the others who worked in this place that odd things had happened over the years, like the feelings of being watched, lights which came on unexpectedly when the switch was off, odd sounds like machines running, and cold breezes in the hallways. And one amazing story was that of a murder which had taken place in early 1900 when a fight erupted between male transients and one killed another by beating him to death with a steel king bolt. The murder occurred in a boxcar which was at one time parked on the track which runs by the guard shack I worked out of. I tried not to consider this as ghosts and supernatural things were not on my thought menu. Although I did love old monster movies and the like, I prided myself on keeping a level head. This Monday night was cold and the wind was blowing as I made my way into the dark and empty building. Snow was whispering against the window panes as I made my way upstairs into an area known as the Finishing Room. I paused for a moment before I stepped up a short stair step, which led into a larger room, where the finished bedposts and rails were completed and sent down into the packing department for shipping. I heard a sound, which sounded like feet shuffling on the other side of the doorway where the steps lead to. I first thought a transient had got in to get out of the freezing cold. Great, I thought as I glanced over my back and saw nothing but a large shadow filled the room with my only means of leaving a far staircase which led back downstairs. In these days, there were no cell phones or emergency 911 calls. It was just my skinny self with a flashlight and half a pack of Marlboro cigarettes. I had no choice but to step up and see if someone was there Hopefully I could yell and scare them off. I stepped up to the step, and as my foot reached the bottom on the other side, a tall shadow figure of a man ran in front of me. His gait was hurried and I could see a black billowing coat and his expression was hellish with anger and hate. I yelled out with a few choice blue words. I challenged him but my words fell on deafness as the only sound was the snow hitting the far, dirty windows. The large room with the old beams and a large conveyor system was empty. Where the shadow figure had ran, there was only a wall. The only exit was a padlocked door, which was bolted from the inside. I was concerned and a bit shook by the experience. I made a sweep the best I could through the area, but found no one. I made my way quickly back to the guard shack, but could not shake the overwhelming feeling of being watched and scrutinized carefully. I did not call the police or anyone else as I knew I would not be believed. I did find out later that apparently there was a chase by police in that area when they were called to the scene of the transient murder so long ago. Was the murderer the shadow I saw? I've never forgotten that night And the incident inspired me to become a paranormal investigator and I've run my own group now for over 13 years and my adventures into the paranormal would fill up numerous notebooks and TV programs. Thanks for letting me share my story.
1: Creeping along the hall at midnight uh-huh. Shadows dancing in the corner of your eye Voices floating from downstairs after twilight Big no.
0: Specters moaning from the attic in reply Everyone has a spooky story, something they don't discuss
1: but life is a haunted oratory When you're like, like us So Sit tight Turn on the light and curl up with some ghoulish history Something a little dark and dreary Serve with a heaping dose of eerie Raise those Moscow mules and clink them Whoopsies
0: Ghost Hi, I'm Jamie Markey
1: And I'm Michael Tatum, and this
0: is Ghoul intentions.
1: Yay! Guess who's yeah.
0: back? Back for now. <laughs> uh, we are back. We're back. So
1: like, how, we're who back. knows how long?
0: <laughs> you know when
1: we, we try to make it matter when we come back. We you know it's That's it's true. you know it's it's really it's quality over. I was gonna say it's quality over content. I meant it's quality, quality over, over quantity. quantity. Can you tell I'm a little yes. tired today?
0: I know. Quality. Excuse me while I take a nap and just record it. And put that out. <laughs> did you thing. hear anything? Did you listen to anything? <laughs> yeah.
1: I All I can say is I did some uh, Pride interviews today, and it's exhausting yeah. being a gay man uh, during Pride. It really is. So I just felt like I needed to have a nap. And I just uh-huh. got up from my nap a little while ago, and it was a mistake to have napped because now my body is like, why, why? So now I just feel tired twice. <laughs> mm,
0: mm-hmm. I also uh, have a... T- have a tired i have you now have that so now that the the i've i've double shotted <laughs> i'm fully vaccinated i love it when people that are say i'm double vaccinated no you're not
1: you're not double. you're single vaccinated <laughs> you're
0: double vaccinated you would have had four of those shots
1: right I've and shot that's twice too much vaccine too much
0: it's too, too much. much it's too much vaccine. I have had two, my two shots. I am fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. back in the gym. Yay! Back in the gym. So proud so of you. So I have been. It is a very nice private gym. And they were very, very careful with COVID and cleaning and all of that stuff. They were already very, very clean anyway. But Good. I have been going with Monica on Fridays as a self-care <laughs> for the whole year, pretty much. I think since the end of the summer last year we started back and Gosh. um it was great because we got to see each other we're in our little circle our COVIDs, uh, covid you know safe circle until we both got um vaccinated mm-hmm. and but it's been nice to at least work out once a week regularly uh and i love this gym <laughs> i love it it's um, a nice gym going back it's nice it's nice and it's very specific so like I have knee problems, especially when it rains, uh, <laughs> and so You're a they witch. know. Ex- yeah, they're really good at. I am. I am. Don't throw me in the water; my knee already hurts. Uh, <laughs> but they'll be able to like adjust you and like you know this is what you need to stretch and this is why your knee is pulling or this is why your foot is acting funny or stuff like that. And so they've been really, really great. Um, and so I started going back now three times a week. And yeah, uh, it, uh, it hurts. It hurts that so just, bad. That just—that just hurts. means you're
1: probably doing it right. Um, uh, yeah. And granted, being I mean, in pain could also mean you're doing it very wrong. But I, I'm not a doctor.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. There, it's all the muscle pain. It's the usual stuff.
1: The doms. But it
0: is there's a soreness I was I was recording for something I can't talk about today but there was hmm. I'd say some fight reactions that are ab heavy that's one of the things about uh, fighting reactions people yep. don't always take into consideration is that's a lot of core work uh-huh. um and yes, my abs are already sore so if I had to sound like I was getting punched it sounded very genuine because every time I <laughs> tensed up my abs it was like I was getting punched it felt that way yep. <laughs> very ow um, <laughs> but yeah I'm back I'm sore. I'm so sore. Uh, So if you hear any, uh, that's just me in in pain.
1: (laughs) I've been uh, going back to the gym for a bit now, uh, but I've been slowly ramping up uh, the workout because during COVID, I just worked out at home and we don't have weights that go up that high. So it was more just kind of maintenance just so I didn't, you know, lose too much muscle or or whatever. And so now I'm going back to the gym. I'm trying to like, you know, uh, uh, max out a little bit again, uh, Mm -hmm. which is I don't know if that's a proper term, max out a little (laughs) <laughs> you to, you max out or you max out I guess but I'm upping my weight a little bit in the gym and so I get really sore and I had the first l- proper like increased leg day uh, two weeks ago and let me just say I'm so fucking glad our bedroom is on the first floor
0: because
1: yeah. when I got home I was like I'm not going up the stairs for anything you just have to bring all the food down to me sorry everyone I'll be here for the rest of the week
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but it's it not. Is. It's nice. It's nice because we have we have a little townhome and it's three stories. Just because the way they have to build here and um, it's there's stairs. I have fallen down all of our stairs twice it's, since being here. You have christened them. I, and they Fully. have christened me. Yeah. Uh, but so I've so, definitely fallen
0: down mine. Well, I've slid down mine. I haven't fallen. I guess that makes seems it, it's like the staircase. Oh, no, we're going I'm that route.
1: Right. I've I fallen, down. slid, tumbled, rolled uh all the things i have the only thing i haven't done i haven't pulled a meryl streep from death becomes her i haven't like twisted my neck or anything like that but i've like
0: don't do that you're not allowed yeah it's against the rules yeah um i the worst i did was i fell and caught myself on the um banister arm Mm -hmm. and it wrenched my whole shoulder
1: that's what happened to me
0: the not the bad shoulder this was previously yeah but it's like your all of your weight goes to keep yourself up and it's like i uh-huh. should have just fallen like i should have just <laughs> like
1: could have been a bru. like i think i'm pretty sure i cracked my tailbone one time because it was it was Ugh. pretty much after soon, soon after we got here uh so yeah. a while back and then um you know and it just recently was like enough where i could sit on that area and do like certain kinds right. of sit sit ups without you don't without have to pick like, a yeah. cheek <laughs> i don't have to pick a cheek yeah uh but yeah, there. but so things. How do we get up on the topic? I don't know. I don't know. Self self care. It's the it's the occupational hazard of self care. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's nice to go back to the gym. I almost uh, so now now that LA is kind of opening back up and pretty virtually opened back up completely now. There's just a lot more people everywhere, including the gym, because beforehand mm-hmm. they were kind of staggering uh, how many people they let in at a time, so it wasn't too full. Uh, which meant it was about the same capacity that a normal gym back in Texas would have been. Right. Now, it's filled with people, and about half of them seem to be awful. Um, yeah. Where they're just like, I don't, I don't like crowds because of the high incidence of awful people in them. And now it's like, I go to the gym, and like some people just don't wear their masks anymore. And I get yeah. it. If you're fully vaxxed, you may not think you need to, but like, I don't fucking know if you're vaxxed. And just fucking yeah. follow the rules. It's not hard, bitch. You know, and I'm like, well, yeah. you know, you weren't wearing your mask ever. You know, I know this. And like just people just, oh, it's gross. It's They sweat on things without cleaning up after themselves. I'm like, this is great. This is a new plague waiting to happen. So, yeah, yeah it just, my, yeah. uh, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to slowly adjust to life around people again in high numbers. And I just, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think yeah. I'm ready. I'm not ready for
0: planes again yet. Me neither. I don't know how we're gonna. Me neither. Me neither. I think I'm can just. Can you get a bubble? I want a bubble. Can I just go in a bubble?
1: Can I just get a private jet with my friends?
0: <laughs> can you? If you can, I, I'll go with you. Okay. I cannot afford that. a private jet.
1: Uh, neither can I. But maybe we could work something out with someone. I'll be like, Hey, are you an anime fan? No. Are you a pilot?
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you're an, if you're a fan or a listener, and you're a pilot and you have a plane, actually, don't let us know yeah, because yeah, don't, the, the, this the is... small ones are the ones that go down. <laughs>
1: right, especially when there's, like, you know, artists or actors or musicians in them. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's a terrible idea. Never mind. I'll take my chances. With, take it all back. I'll take my chances take with the ugh, public. Um,
0: <laughs> with John Q. Gross. <laughs> public. Uh, oh, uh, but we're here John to Q tell, like, spooky the, stories. <laughs> sorry,
1: John Q. Public, and the Q stands for Christ. Um.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, first. <laughs> um let me really quick before I forget thank our submitter Michael. Great story.
1: You're welcome. Thank you so Did I sub- much. Oh, oh no, you're not Wrong talking Michael. about me. Different Different Michael, <laughs> you didn't submit you <laughs> didn't
0: submit that story.
1: <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Yeah. It was good. It was, I like it. I like it was fun. And yeah. very well read too. Thank you. Thank you to our yeah. presenter. Yeah,
0: um, no problem. You're very welcome. The, what's funny about all of this, uh, full disclosure, is that I haven't read it yet.
1: And I have no idea um, what the fuck she's talking about. Not out loud. Michael I, doesn't know I what it is I haven't seen it. Yet. I haven't heard Ding. it. I just, I just trust you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, uh, it'll be fine. It's going to be great. It's a great story. You'll hear it, and then you'll love it. But Michael will hear it when everybody else hears it. Yeah, and I'll be
1: like, you know what? I was right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I want Michael to know, the other Michael— Who wrote the story? That we appreciate it. We We love it.
1: We do. At this point, I only appreciate it on principle, but I'm sure after hearing it, I will also appreciate it. In fact,
0: yeah, yeah, Um, uh, yeah. We want we want more of those stories, and also for other people that are ghost hunters and have come across stories and have good stories, we want to hear from you too. So, yes. um, uh, Are you starting? You're starting because I'm starting. I'm starting because you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally what's going cool. So I, at your suggestion, decided to, to do a, a little dive. Uh, maybe not the deepest dive in the world, because frankly, there's just not a whole lot to find on it. But what's what's out there, um, there's, there's information, but it's still a mystery.
0: I had heard this story, a little bit of it. Mm. And then Michael was like, "I need a topic," and I was like, "This is what I want you to do because I want to hear more about it."
1: And I I and so, went down <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole, much like the family I'm, I'm about to describe. So, I am doing the Trump family road trip uh, that happened in Australia back in 2016. So it's recent. Trump. Trump. T r o m p. Not not okay. not the oomph, um. Not the ump family. <laughs> Not the Rump family, uh, but the Trump family, uh, who went on a little romp. <laughs> <laughs> a very mysterious romp. Uh, and so, yeah, I thought we'd talk about that today. And also uh, some incidences of uh, other examples, brief uh-huh. uh, examples in history from similar things that have happened to other people that are that is thought to be the reason behind what the Trumps did. Uh, so my sources today... Uh, are of course Wikipedia, because when is when is Wikipedia not a source? Also BuzzFeed yeah. Unsolved, which is delightful. I love watching those guys do their thing. BBC News World, uh BBC World News Australia, and among other things, an article written for The Explainer by Belinda Jepson, G-E-P-S-I-N. So, Jamie, how much of the story do you know? You said you only kind of know a little bit of it, like the bare bones facts, right? And even that.
0: Bare bones facts, yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Well, let's let's dive in. Or or weighed in as the case may be. I don't know. Let's see. Let me make sure my levels are correct. Am my levels good? Okay, because I want to get all like NPR about it, where you can hear like every smack.
0: No, please don't do that. I don't <laughs> like that. I don't like that. That's no, it's not. It's not spooky ASMR. Um, God, ASMR too. It's like I don't want to hear most. I don't want to hear. You know what? Some I'll people hear? get. Some I'll people really pants. like it.
1: I I'm not a fan.
0: Like animals, it's fine because that cracks me up. Like, if you send me Gus eating something ASMR, <laughs> that cracks me up. That's fine. It's funny. It's so slurpy and hilarious. Well, Gu- but yeah, that just sounds like me out.
1: <laughs> It's true. I'm, I'm there with you. Something about animals eating is adorable, but people eating, it's yeah. like,
0: I can't. Sometimes, too, it's like we'll all have to put something on. Like, if Jack and I are eating, because I have that thing where you hear it and it. Gets to you. Um, I forget mm-hmm. what it's called, but like, I'll be like, hold on, don't <laughs> eat yet. Let me put something on to watch, or we're going to have to talk because I can't just hear eating. Or it's,
1: I can't. <laughs> Some family holidays, there is a family member who will remain nameless um, <laughs> who is a lovely person, but uh, they are such a loud eater that if I find myself being uh, assigned to sit next to them during, say, Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner or whatever, uh, I have to wait until they are done to start Mm. eating because I'm just—I'm a pretty slow eater, anyway.
0: You are—it's true. But this particular family, yeah,
1: I I eat very slow, which is funny. I think it's when you look at how large I am, I—you would think that I would have to be a much faster eater just to get all the calories I need in one day to survive. But I don't know. Um, I. (laughs) <laughs> but this one family member like they eat and it just sounds like a trash compactor uh, mm. it's it's uh, God love them they're sweet as hell and i I love them with all my heart, but I don't I don't love the way they eat anyway um. yeah
0: it's, I try to be I try to be polite about it like I because I know it's my problem right people have to eat. It's not their fault that I can hear them chewing and it makes me want to claw my ears out. That's not their fault. I just try well, to communicate if I seem irritable. It's because your mouth is grossing me out. Um, But not in those words. I don't do it in those
1: words. (laughs) Like, Could you just stop eating like that, please? Um, If you
0: could just face the wall. uh, Could you just,
1: uh, from now on, uh, soft foods only, please, for you while Uh, I'm around. And
0: by soft foods, I mean, could you drink in a different room? He's even, like,
1: swallowing. If I hear oh, swallowing, God! Now I have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with that before, but now I do. Jamie!
0: I'm sorry. <sighs> so, this is my world. I'm just sharing my experience. You're a witch!
1: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started on the Trump family romp. Australia, August 30th, 2016. About an hour after stopping for gas in Goulburn, New South Wales, Keith Whitaker discovers a dazed young girl crouched in the back seat of his truck. Catatonic is the word he will use to describe her. The 20 something doesn't seem to know who she is, where she's from, or how she's ended up in a stranger's utility vehicle. Now, being a good Samaritan, rather than uh, kick the stowaway to the asphalt, as I probably want to have done, Keith (laughs) instead drives her to the nearest police station where, after several hours of one imagines somewhat delicate interrogation, it emerges that the girl's name is Rihanna Trump, T-R-O-M-P. Now, bizarrely, she's almost a thousand miles from home. Details of her journey are fuzzy at best. She doesn't remember much. And in fact, at first blush, she appears to be the victim of what's called a disassociative fugue, sometimes called a fugue state or a psychogenic fugue. The temporary disorder is characterized by reversible amnesia. It's essentially where one's memories and personality uh, kind of just disappear for a certain amount of time. Mm. Um, Sometimes days, sometimes months, in rare cases, even years. But what's particularly troubling in Rihanna's case is that attempts to contact her family lead nowhere. None of them are answering their phones or returning urgent messages from authorities. Rihanna Trump is packed off to a local hospital for psychiatric evaluation while police decide on next steps. It's determined they will pay a visit to the Tromp family farm in Sylvan, Victoria, again almost a thousand miles away. Meanwhile, the next day, Rihanna's mother, 53-year-old Jacoba, Trump is found wandering the streets of Yas. It's Y-A-S-S. I have to say it like that. I'm obligated. It's Pride.
0: Um, Yass! Is found wandering Greenland. the streets no. of
1: Yass, some 50 miles <laughs> west of Goulburn. Uh, that's where Rihanna had been found. Jacoba has no bank or credit cards on her person. Also, no phone and no form of ID whatsoever. Witnesses describe her as being in a, quote, agitated state. She tries to rent a hotel room without proper ID and gets a little... Uh, Bum fuzzled when the desk manager declines to take cash. Authorities are called, they subdue gently and transport the frightened combative woman, who they now recognize as Rihanna's mother, to the same hospital as her daughter in Goulburn. Now, neither patient gives much insight into what the fuck is going on. That night, 216 miles away in Wanagarata, a young couple playing Pokemon Go, uh, remember, uh, near Merowa Park is aggressively tailgated by a silver station wagon. Um, quote, I could barely see his headlights because he was so close to my car, the driver will later tell police. When they pull over, hoping the pursuer will move on, the station wagon grinds to a halt behind them some distance off. Suddenly, a man springs from the driver's side door and runs toward the couple's car like a fucking maniac, only to stop in the middle of the road. For several agonizing moments, he stares them down <laughs> before turning, and walking placidly into Merriwell Park, where he slips out of view like a shadow behind some trees. Now, once the incident is reported to police, a connection is made with the mystery surrounding Rihanna and her mother. The youngest Tromp sibling, Ella, after all, owns a silver station wagon like the one described. Police search Merriwell Park, and while they find uh, the abandoned station wagon with the keys in ignition pretty much as it was left on the road, no trace of the tailgater is forthcoming, uh, except, at adding to the mystery, staff at a nearby motel uh, near Meriwell Park discover that one of the rooms has been broken into, and evidence suggests that the culprit slept there overnight, unbeknownst to the manager. By now... Police are staking out the Trump family farm in Silva, Victoria, concerned for the safety of Patriarch Mark, his son Mitchell, and younger daughter Ella, none of whom have been accounted for at this point in the story. Remember, only Matriarch Jacoba and daughter Rihanna have turned up and they're not talking. Or at least they can't remember what happened or how they got there, let alone what happened to everyone else in the family. Now, what police find in the Trump home baffles them. The Trump family appears to have left in a hurry. Passports, credit cards, all forms of ID, and cell phones have been conspicuously left behind. Even more troublesome, years' worth of sensitive financial documents have been sorted through and piled up, left out in the open. The door is unlocked, or doors are unlocked, several cars on the property are also unlocked and have keys dangling in the ignition. Uh, It looks pretty bad, right? But no sooner do police suspect the worst than... Ella Trump nonchalantly returns home Tuesday night uh, in a stolen car. She's intent on feeding the horses, who she says by now haven't been properly attended to in a couple of days, and she's worried. As you might imagine, the police have some questions. <laughs> Uh, Why do the Trumps uh, leave in such a rush and without the normal uh, travel accoutrement? You know, indeed, why does it look like they fled in a panic after pouring through their financial records? Why, for that matter, is Mitchell's phone, the son, the only one unaccounted for? At the very least, Rihanna, Jacoba, and Ella are now marked safe, though the mental states of the first two leave doctors scratching their heads somewhat. Mitchell returns home the next morning. By train from Sydney, he says, Ella will later uh, will later be charged with vehicular theft. Rihanna, still in the hospital, will escape criminal charges by reason of temporary insanity. By uh, but how had Rihanna wound up in the backseat of Keith Whitaker's truck? And Goulburn? how had Jacoba wound up wandering alone on the streets of Yaz? Uh, why had? <laughs> Ella stolen a car, and where the fuck was Mark? 51 <laughs> year old Mark Tromp and wife Jacoba had established a thriving red-currant farm. It's kind of berry. An earth-moving business on the outskirts of Melbourne years before. Their oh, children
0: red Love a current.
1: They're really good, right? They're um, in
0: a salad, yeah.
1: Their children... <laughs> <laughs> their children, Rihanna, Mitchell, and Ella, 29, 25, and 22, respectively, lived and worked with them on the farm full-time. By all accounts, the Tromps were well regarded by neighbors and business associates. Their life uh, had been one of quiet hard work and relative seclusion, but without warning, on Monday, August 29th, 2016, the couple and their three adult children piled into, Elver, into Ella's silver station wagon and embarked on a road trip that would take them almost a 1,000 miles away from home, all without uh, financial cards, passports, ID, or except for Mitchell, phones. The Uncanny Misadventure saw them make it as far north as Gen, uh, Genila, sorry, Ginalin Caves in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. In just under two days. That's almost a thousand fucking miles in just under two days. How they got separated was easy enough to puzzle out. In retrospect, Mitchell had brought his cell phone along without Mark and Jacoba's knowledge, secretly figuring somebody in the family should have access to one on this rather bizarre journey. When they found it on him the next day, by which time they'd driven as far as Bathurst, Mark ordered Mitchell to fling the phone out the window, convinced it could be used to track them. The young man begrudgingly complied, but furious, he took his leave of the family at the first opportunity. They proceeded without him. Fuck them, <laughs> they thought. <laughs> when the Tromps arrived at Gentland Caves in New South Wales, the seeds of dissent, it seems, had already been sown among the other siblings. Rihanna and Ella parted ways with their parents by sneaking away and stealing a car. When the girls stopped for gas in Goulburn, Ella determined to head home and feed the horses, which she now had uh, second thoughts about leaving in the first place. Rihanna, however, was dead set against the idea of joining her and opted instead to stow away in the stranger's truck. Meanwhile, Mark and Jacoba drove to Yas! There! (laughs) The couple argued. The details are still unclear, and Jacoba left her husband of 20-plus years to his own devices while she searched for some place to call it a night and wound up in police custody. (laughs) As of Mitchell's return to to Sylvan, the family farm, Mark is still M.I.A., presumably having been the person who terrorized the young couple near Merriwell Park. By Thursday, September 1st, Mitchell appears on Channel 9 News, pleading for any information that might lead authorities to his father. Quote, he's scared that people are after him. He's not in a good state of mind. Neither the identity of these pursuers nor their motives for hounding a red-currant farmer is readily apparent. All Mitchell can tell TV host Sylvia Jeffries is that he believes his father to be paranoid. I've never seen anything like it, he says. It's really hard to explain or put a word on it, but they were just fearing for their lives, and then they decided to flee. On the evening of Saturday, September 3rd, Mark Tromp is at last found running down a street on the outskirts of Wanagarada and, and is picked up by police. He is released from custody several hours later, flipping off reporters outside the station and as he leaves. He makes a formal statement to the press several days later, expressing regret for his actions but declining to elaborate. On his motives. To this day, why Mark Trump and his wife felt the need to abandon their home and all their sensitive personal belongings, not to mention how they convinced their three adult children to go along with them, is steeped in speculation. So, what the fuck happened?
0: Well, yeah.
1: Theories range from, you know, they they fell prey to the effects of some new chemical they were using on their farm and had a psychosis. Uh, Some believe they were trying to escape debt collectors, but thus far police have ruled out those sorts of things and uh, but have declined to comment further. Belinda Jepsen of The Explainer writes, But it's clear mental health played a significant role. One of the most persistent theories to emerge was that the family may have been experiencing a psychological condition known as folie adieu, madness of two, in which people in close-knit relationships experience a kind of shared psychosis. How or how it works and the mechanism of this is not precisely known, but there are many examples uh, in the literature, which we will get to. Rihanna Tromp herself appeared to agree with this assessment in an interview she gay for women's day. You start thinking the same, she said. You have a few things and they do build up. You can get sick in some way. Her siblings, meanwhile, seemed as baffled as those who followed their story. "Uh, It's very confusing. I still feel confused, Ella said during a press conference. I think our states of mind weren't in the best place. And yeah, I can't really. There's just no reason for it. It's bizarre. Mitchell said he couldn't explain what had happened either. He said he didn't share his father's sense of danger when they scrambled into the car on August 29th. I just had to go with the family because I wanted to see where they were going. I couldn't leave them, he said. But yeah, it was tough to see your family like that, and I've never seen anyone like that. But the main thing is they're okay now. Everyone is safe, everyone is well, so we can just go back to being the family again. The Tromps have since kept a low profile in the nearly three years following the incident, returning to work, and as far as possible, normal lives. The criminal charges against Ella were ultimately withdrawn by request of the stolen vehicle's owner. But what the fuck well, happened and nice why? They've We've never figured it out. It just seems, and they, they don't talk, they don't really give interviews anymore. And Mark and uh, Jacoba, the, the the mom and dad, never have. Yeah. Uh, except for that brief, brief press conference that Mark gave uh, a few days after flipping off reporters, <laughs> um, they've just. It seems that they they had they built up this weird delusion that someone was after them, and they felt the need to leave and to not be tracked. They kept their they left their phones behind, they left everything almost. And for, to my mind, it seems like what they left behind was there to try to placate whoever they thought was after them. Like perhaps if we left all our financial records and shit, access passwords, all that behind, then who? Whoever it was looking for us would be satisfied with that and just let us go off the grid. Um, but who they thought it was or why, how they arrived at that conclusion uh, is interesting, you know, or a complete mystery. And it's interesting to figure out or to try to puzzle out how the entire family could be like, it just takes it just takes one, one person to be like, guys, this is happening. And slowly but surely, everyone else kind of came on board with it, at least enough to get in the car. And yeah. go, and I guess, I mean, really, we ask how they got separated, but my shit, a thousand miles in a car with your parents with no phones, fuck. Of course you're going to yeah. leave. Of course you're going to steal a car to get away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, I don't know, like if they're, they all live together and they all work together. So mm-hmm. if mom and dad started to get paranoid, I could see how maybe even grown, they might believe whatever this paranoia thing was mm-hmm. that they had to go and maybe, you know, like at least one the son and maybe one of the daughters was like, I'm gonna go along just to see what's going on. But it's it's strange right.
1: the element of it that really troubles me though is that they all went and it no one stayed behind to care for the horses. And that's that's mm-hmm. a big deal. If you if you own a horse, you you For any length of time, presumably you have to be a responsible horse owner. You have a relationship with those creatures, and you can't just be like, "I'm so in fear of my life that I'm just gonna fucking go and leave them behind and fuck them." Let me call
0: someone to come. Exactly, they didn't make any
1: arrangements, as far as we know, to have anyone take care of them, Uh, and that's why uh, 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 Ella came back because she was like, "Oh shit, this is," but the fact that like not one of them stayed behind, like you guys go and I'm gonna stay here and take care of the horses, or at least arrange for someone to to give them to somebody or something. Um, yeah. So I think the level well, see, the level of depends, threat right? they must have felt had to have been intense for them to it make that decision. It
0: depends on how they're, the horses are taken care of. Because sometimes people will just put a big old batch of hay and maybe leave some oats out and they'll be fine for a few days on their own, you know. Right, um, right. That might have been the mentality. And then I, after a couple of days, it's like, uh, well, I do want to give them, you know, something else. It depends on... the how people are feeding or taking care of the horses. Is it a daily thing or...
1: Yeah. Um, it doesn't you know. seem like they ever intended to come back, though. Um, yeah, that's weird. Uh, you know, and it feels like, you know, yeah, a couple days the horses could probably fend for themselves if you left out hay and oats and things like that. But... Um, but so why but why steal the car together. like why not go if they had stayed together like why not why steal the car It feels to me if they, if the girls stole the car they must have still felt a bit of that paranoia like I right. if I had been clear-sighted in those moments would have separated from my parents and gone to the police but for whatever reason mm-hmm. they felt they couldn't but at this point they hadn't done anything illegal uh um, no, or so call they couldn't a go to the police so it's hate. something yeah I mean not that they could you know, they really couldn't call anybody at that point because they didn't have their phones on them but they could have flagged someone down uh, they could have done something. They could have if you, gone to a know,
0: store and said, hey, exactly. I don't have my phone. Can I use – is there a pay phone? Can I give you money to use yeah. the phone and call a friend? Uh,
1: it's, also, it's also quite possible that, you know, without their phones, they didn't have any numbers to call. Numbers. Like they didn't yeah. know. I mean, how many people remember, you know, their <laughs> their still, friends' there numbers? there are other solutions besides stealing. There, there the are, phone. which which makes yeah. me feel like at that stage, the, the two sisters were still paranoid. Were still kind of yeah. sharing well, in, also, in their psychosis.
0: Hiding in a random truck bed is not a safe decision.
1: No, no. But th- she must have thought it safe compared to the alternative, whatever that alternative was thought to be. Going back. Uh, you know, so it's it's really, huh. you know, crazy. And there are some people out there that think, you know, this wasn't psychosis. They were really trying to run from something and maybe in the interim, Mark dealt with it and, and whatever. But I, I don't believe that's true. I think, I think they just got it in their head somehow. That someone, people, whether it be an individual or some shady organization was after them Mm. and they just left. But the fact that all of them could feel that way, um, you know, it's it's pretty stunning. I mean, it's not hard to believe that, you know, the people you hang out with, you tend to share in their delusions, you know, uh, and their beliefs. But but to go to take it that far, we
0: have a whole podcast about
1: (laughs) (laughs) we share in each other's delusions, but
0: that's right.
1: But I mean, but if you wanted to go on a road trip without our phones, I'd be like, Jamie, Jamie, let me be the voice of dissent here. Um, no,
0: <laughs> I had a session this morning without my phone, and it was very scary. Uh, I had a session immediately... without my phone
1: the other day. I had to surrender it. It was part of the part of the NDA agreement. I was like, it's weird, never oh, done no. that before. It was strange.
0: No, I didn't have it. I didn't know I didn't have it till I got to the studio, and then I had it was like a four hour session, and then I had to drive home and. It, Driving home without having a phone is scary. It's like all of a sudden I don't have insurance. Right? So if it's I'm in weird. a wreck or something yeah. happens, who do I
1: if I get who lost. Do I call?
0: Yeah. And I I got cut off at one point, so I had to go home a different way. And I was like, ah oh, <laughs> I just need to get home and get my phone. It's, it, it, it was a very strange it's, very,
1: it's, it's a bit traumatic yeah. not having your phone. We 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 put yeah. so many eggs in that basket that when we don't have it, it's like oh We used I'm to dead. drive
0: around when we were kids without phones all the time. When we were younger, like, nobody had a phone. Right. you call when you get in.
1: And I can't even remember <laughs> what that's like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just be mm-hmm. home by the time the streetlights come on. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that, so the, fortunately in this case, the Trump uh, uh, the Trump romp seems to have ended <laughs> happily, uh, as far as mm-hmm. we know. Everyone was safe and and no harm was done. Uh, but I thought, you know, since this is called ghoul intentions...
0: Right, right. That I should mm-hmm. offer
1: some less than savory examples of the same sort of folie adieu. So the following examples come, they are I kind of cherry picked them, or I uh, red currant picked them, you might say, from an article Ooh. by Christy Heather for Listverse. Now, in the 19th I century,
0: <laughs>
1: they're so great, right? So convenient. Uh, in the 19th century, the first reported case of folie adieu Uh, Involved, uh, involved synonymously named Margaret and Michael A married couple Both were 34 years old at the time They shared delusions that several mutual acquaintances were persecuting them Together they agreed that these unnamed tormentors were stealing into their house in the wee hours Coating everything in dust And wearing out the couple's shoes If only I had someone I could blame that on Um, (laughs) Harmless enough but often a shared psychosis gets far darker. Take, for example, the case of three sisters from South Carolina. Their folie à trois, uh, or folie à trois, Does I say Troy? God, take my French card away from me. They're folly folly, a trois uh, diagnosis led to a successful insanity defense in their respective criminal trials. Yep, criminal trials. Their lives had become increasingly enmeshed as the sisters approached middle age, even though they led perfectly ordinary, respectable lives beforehand. The trouble uh, came when they opted to spend all their time only with each other. They grew increasingly concerned that their mother, who, was all, who suffered from mental illness as well, would hurt their children. Around this time, they also developed something of a religious mania, two things that go together mm-hmm. so well. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Complimentary, really. Right. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. like why? And- I know certain people who listen to this podcast, and I'm thinking of all of you guys specifically that are rolling your eyes and, and having comments. We acknowledge you.
1: God and mental Uh, illness go together like wine and Tylenol. Around this time, uh, (laughs) convinced God was communicating with them, the sisters forced themselves to stay awake 24-7. See, already I'm out. Can't do it. If God Mm -hmm. tells me to stay awake, I'm like, all right, I'm an atheist now, just on principle. (laughs) When uh, When one of the sisters' husbands put his foot down and forbade them from living under the same roof, the trio put on pajamas, (laughs) took the children, and drove to a house they believed God had provided for them. Uh -uh. Trouble was, God hadn't told the current owners that. The sisters forced their way in, attacked the residents, and later the police officers responding to the terrified 911 call. Thrown in a jail cell together, the sisters stripped naked, refused to wash, and freaked out guards with rather bizarre religious rituals of their own devising. Anyone foolhardy enough to enter the cell met with extreme violence. It took 15 officers two hours to subdue the three women.
0: Are you sure that this isn't just like the script for the new Hocus Pocus? Because this... (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's like the dark version. Um, Yeah,
0: it sounds pretty.
1: None of the sisters, right? (laughs) None of the sisters had a previous criminal record. Um, Now, that's fucking weird, right? Now, volume 149 of the American Journal of Psychiatry recounts a case of folly adieu shared between an 83 year old widow and her dog. The woman had come to the conclusion that her upstairs neighbor was moving furniture around deliberately to annoy her. This slowly grew into the conviction that said neighbor meant to chase her off. Believing the man was attacking her and her dog in secret with so-called violet rays, (laughs) Mm. she constructed a kind of panic room for her pet under the kitchen table. Whenever noise came from above, the dog would run and hide in its spot as trained. Poor thing. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. A were both lonely young adults who met each other, fell in love, and married. It seemed like a match made in heaven for the girl who spoke to the sea at night and the boy who had been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia at age 8, but it led only to murder and eventual separation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Murder. Tragic in that order.
1: Um, (laughs) 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 Happy... (laughs) <laughs> Having met through a personals ad, Mr. and Mrs. A were married after knowing each other for only one week. They both came to believe that one of the demons who spoke through Mr. A was the childhood god of the sea who conversed with Mrs. A. Sounds perfect, doesn't it? No. For several years, no, the couple traveled around- Your voices are never
0: the same voice. Like you cannot- And if they are,
1: the... something's wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for several years, the couple traveled around trying to find work and following the directions of Mr. A's demons. One of the demons told Mr. A that he would be killed uh, imminently, and that Mrs. A would be sexually assaulted. The couple bought a gun. While eating one night at a restaurant, Mr. and Mrs. A perceived that two male diners were laughing at them. Upset, Mr. and Mrs. A returned to their apartment, but the demons told them to go back to the restaurant and kill the diners. They ran back and shot the unknown men dead. Mr. and Mrs. A are now divorced and in prison. Um... (laughs) Christine and Lia Parpin were French sisters who worked as housemaids in the home of René Lancelin, his wife, Leonie, and their daughter, Genevieve. The Papin sisters were the product of a dysfunctional and abusive home. As children, the girls had been sent away to live with other families. Eventually, they rediscovered each other and were packed off to an orphanage. Sharing a room together and socially isolated, the sisters were quiet and uncomplaining. Um, Slowly as they grew into adulthood, though, they, they entered the workforce, became housekeepers, maids for this family. Um... When uh, 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 Christine, who was 27, and Leah, the more submissive of the two sisters, was 21, the women entered the psycho- the psychological history books. They took jobs as servants for the Lancelin family during an argument with Leonie Lancelin. Christine changed suddenly from an ind- indispensable, well-mannered cook to a homicidal fucking maniac, gouging out Genevieve Lancelin's eyes with her bare hands. Leah followed her sister's example uh, and did the same with Madame Lancelin. When Rene returned home to find his house locked. He phoned police. Officers stormed their way in to find the horribly dismembered bodies of Madame Lasselin and Genevieve, both displayed in such ways to suggest the corpses had been violated sexually. Fearing the same fate had befallen the maids, officers were shocked to find the sisters locked in their room, naked together in bed. The sisters gave a full confession and were taken into custody. In the years that followed, they were separated and studied. The separation caused Christine especially intense distress. Uh, distress. Popular opinion holds that the sisters were in a sexual relationship with each other, but the doctors assigned them firmly denied this. Their defense attorney suggested that their personalities had become so entangled over the years that Leah's personality had dissolved and simply merged into that of her sister.
0: Oh, wow. That's crazy that that can even happen.
1: Uh, It really is. Morgan Geiser and Anissa Weir were 12 when they decided to commit murder together. The pair, who suffered from schizophrenia and psychotic spectrum disorder, stabbed their classmate, Peyton Lutner, as a sacrifice to the fictional horror character, Slenderman.
0: Slenderman, yeah. yeah.
1: Weir was Geyser's new best friend, who was also best friends with the victim. The trio of misfit girls played together at Geyser's birthday party uh, sleepover just before plans of killing Lutner came to fruition. Weir and Geyser stabbed Lutner in a nearby park and then walked her into the forest to die. The two girls were picked up by police on their way to the Nicolette National Forest, where they believed that they were going to be welcomed into the house of Slenderman, having paid his price of sacrifice by killing Lutner. They did not know that Lutner had survived. Geyser and Weir had wanted to prove that Slenderman exists, so they lured their classmate into the woods. Geyser held Lutner down while uh, Weir stabbed her. They thought that the sacrifice would enable them to live in Slenderman's mansion, left for dead and managed to crawl out of the woods despite suffering from multiple stab wounds. Clinging to life, she hailed a passing cyclist who called paramedics. Geyser and Weir were sentenced to 40 years and 25 years, respectively, in a mental institution for the crime.
0: Do you think that they didn't get to live in Slender Man's house because they failed?
1: Oh, God, Jamie! <laughs> 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 nah, I think if there's a Slenderman, he was like, y'all bitch is crazy. Um, uh, no, that's all I, I, I could think
0: like, I wonder if they think it's because we failed. Oh, if we had succeeded, we would have gone to <laughs> It's I mean, so
1: sad, but I mean, it's yeah. It's not it just... a
0: sacrifice because they didn't do it. <laughs> te- and that's called ghoul intentions. <laughs> it's terrible. Just, it's I'm terrible. Sorry, but that's but, what but I thought immediately. You
1: know, but that's the thing. And I know some people will say, you know, oh, it's it's all the fiction of Sunderman and it's it's the fault of that kind of stuff people shouldn't be reading or delving into that sort of things. But it's the when someone is mentally <sighs> ill. Uh, Mm -hmm. in a violent way. Man, it doesn't fucking matter whether they're reading... Creepy pastas or flying a fucking kite. They're dangerous. And they yeah. need to be identified and cared for in a way that, that keeps them from being a danger to themselves and others. And that's very sad because with, and that's, again, you know, mental illness has such a stigma that I think when it emerges in children, parents tend to be very reluctant to admit it's there. So mm-hmm. it sounds to me, it's, I mean, I don't know the full story, of course, but it could be that these girls were just so young that yeah. their parents weren't prepared to admit that maybe something was wrong. I guess at that age, it's hard. It's it's it, as a parent, I imagine, if your child is saying kind of weird things, you think, well, is that is that is there something wrong, or are they we're just being kids? 14. You know, you know, yeah. and so I don't know. But it's again, I, I think part of the problem, at least, and not that we're here to solve everything, because fuck, I don't know how to solve getting up the fucking stairs after leg day. Who the fuck am I to consult about these huge <laughs> problems, right? But. It seems to me that the, the, the stigma around mental illness allows it to flourish in secret until it blows up and becomes dangerous. Um, yeah. And in this case, it's like, I, but I don't think the answer that some people come to is like, well, we must abolish all dark fiction that might give people bad ideas. I'm like, that's not going to work, first yeah, of all, that's because it. that's just not, I don't believe that's going to fix anything. That's putting a Band-Aid yeah. on it and also making fiction very boring for the rest of us. Um, right. Right. Who will not be inspired to murder other people if we read a creepypasta. So, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, so that—that that is the kind of terrifying reality of something called folie adieu, which is when two people folie just adieu. share the or same "fully" or, or for, yeah, a <laughs>
0: <toi. Or> Cray, <cut. laughs> yeah. I love it. It's a good story. So, I mean, I don't love all the 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 deadly the dead-y parts the, dead-y, the, the dead
1: part, but... the dead part that's yeah yeah so that's, that's but... it yeah that was that was the trump family and if if i hear that's more good. about it we'll we'll uh, we'll let you know but it doesn't sound like there's more it doesn't sound like the trumps fully understand why they felt the way they what did what happened huh uh, i'd love to know though i'd love if they ever came out with like i'd like to know exactly what they thought the nature of the threat was i'd love to hear that story because then we might be able to piece together like how do they arrive at that like what cuz once yeah. you've decided something is going on then it's so I think Robert Anton Wilson a writer I really like um, who wrote like the Illuminatus trilogy and cosmic trigger he's he's an old hippie he wrote in a book called *Prometheus Rising* about how, kind of how the human brain works and how we kind of fashion our own consensus reality. Uh, he talks about the, the the eternal principle for him is what the is what the believer believes, the thinker were what the, or what the thinker thinks, the prover will prove. And he's of course talking mm. about two different parts of of the human brain, broadly speaking. That you know what what we already yeah. believe, you'll find evidence for everywhere, even though in another context it's not evidence at all. Um, you know, like it's when you think someone's after you, then suddenly. You know, hearing that car go by at night and play its loud music suddenly seems personal um, yeah. when it's just some asshole going down the street who doesn't know how to be a decent member of society uh, mm, <laughs> because they're playing their that, fucking sure. music loudly at 2 a.m. Um, you know, or or people that use Bluetooth speakers uh, in gyms, who I think there's a special place in hell for. They're not after I me. Know, like, they're just you're, assholes. You're uh, just
0: letting everyone know that you're having a conversation, and I don't care.
1: Right. And I... <laughs> So I think, you know, but if you believe people are after you for whatever reason, that kind of completely innocent social faux pas takes on a whole other character and mm-hmm. and can be sinister when it's totally not. So it's all about I, I try every day of my life because I feel I have to because I, I, you know, I'm a little imaginative. Um, <laughs> Just a bit. You know, I extrapolate from very little evidence sometimes <laughs> what's going <laughs> on in my life. They said this. They must think this. Um but I have to remind myself, I'm like, ah, how much of that is me? How much of that is me seeing what I think is already there? Like, if I didn't think this, would what I'm experiencing now make me believe it or on right. its own? And if the answer is no, then I try to step back and you know, whatever, it's hard to know, but it's, it's easier to get paranoid about something that isn't real. Uh, Than people generally yeah. give themselves credit for because we all think we we know reality very well because we I saw it with my own eyes. I experienced it with my own, you know, senses. But yeah, the brain is not reliable. Uh, it just isn't. No, it's not. Um, we have to have checks and balances. Why? It's important to have friends. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's important it is to,
0: important have, important friends to have, friends have friends that can be
1: like, hmm, friends that are strong enough not to get caught up in your, in your delusions if you're having them. And we all have delusions sometimes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's important to have friends that'll call you out on your shit. <laughs> right. It's true. It's true. Anyway. Uh, a
0: thanks for suggesting the topic.
1: Uh, it was no, really, it was really interesting. No, thanks for following up on it. Yeah, definitely. Let's take a good. little break. And, okay. And uh, I may brew myself a coffee real quick. I don't think I'm over my I'm legal in. limit of caffeine for the day. And then we'll come back and no. do uh-huh. your story.
0: Okay. Sounds Eight. good. And we're back.
1: No time has passed for you, the no. listener.
0: But do you for us,
1: it was like a whole other world. What?
0: It was. It was like 15 minutes, you guys. Um, <laughs> I realized through this break that um, we didn't say what our title was.
1: Oh, that's because I didn't know what it is. Oh. <laughs> What's our title? I we title? did
0: some looking. I did some looking <laughs> for like the right kind of thing. And I was like, I want something that's kind of like the lost and found. And then I was like, why don't I just call it the lost and found? So that's Genius. what we're going to call
1: it. Genius. Genius. It's all instinct. Yeah, that was it's all. You're just. A, it,
0: it's here. It's typed on my paper, so you know I lost, did it ahead
1: of time. Lost and found, and so that quote comes from school, um, when we had a lost right. and found in the principal's office. Yeah, that's
0: right. It was called the lost and found.
1: <laughs> oh, was but yours called? Oh, fancy school. Yours was, the, was called the. Our's was just called lost and found, which yeah, I right, for, for a long time it, like it just felt check. so philosophical.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So it, but my teacher would never be like, go check Lost and Found. It, they would say, go check the Lost and Found.
1: Oh, fair, fair, fair.
0: So, so anyway, this <laughs> topic.
1: Sorry. I just say, like, Lost and Found, and next to that is an empty box that just says, your shit's gone. Yeah,
0: say so goodbye. <laughs> it ain't here, that's bitches. that's where my it Lost stuff here. ended
1: up. It was never found again. Not by me, and yeah. not by anyone who t- decided to tell me about it. It was always like, oh, that really nice windbreaker that went missing that I just yeah, left in the class. Gnomes it was it. found by someone. Uh, but and worn thereafter by someone else.
0: <laughs> yeah. I hope they enjoyed it, those motherfuckers.
1: Okay. Hope they got um, it snagged on a banister. All right.
0: So, this this uh, mine is about children that uh, mysteriously disappeared in the woods and were found again, safe and sound, but they have an interesting similarity. Oh. Uh, and as soon as I heard this, I'm... I'm sure you've heard some of it, but I had to I
1: may, uh, but I have the memory of a goldfish, so it'll all be right. new to me.
0: Okay. Well I knew okay, so I know you've probably heard of him, but I also knew it would delight mm. you. So I really went through the for the delighting factor. So my sources are an article on CNN <laughs> I'm always um,
1: I'm always delighted by children in peril.
0: That's <laughs> right. It's 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 multifaceted, this story. Um, an article on CNN, and for the record, everybody's safe, so we don't have to worry about. Um, oh, don't
1: spoil it.
0: It's still ghoulish. Just you wait, Henry Higgins. <laughs> um, so, an article on CNN by Amir Vera and Samira Said. Um, an article by Brent Swanser on Mysterious Universe, and a video oh, by The Missing Enigma.
1: The missing and so here we go. Nice. Okay. Number
0: one. This is our first and most recent disappearance, oh, oh, oh. which really started a lot of, I think, the looking into other disappearances. This okay. This is in Craven County, North Carolina. Mm. Three-year-old. Casey Hathaway, was playing with two other relatives in his great-grandmother's backyard near the woods in January of 2019. This is just two years ago. God. But when the other kids came back inside, Casey was not with them. The kids told their great-grandmother that Casey was walking in the woods. The family immediately went out and searched for him for about 45 minutes before finally calling 911. Mm. Search and rescue teams from across the state immediately came together to look for Casey, but with the treacherous terrain of the woods the search was difficulty difficult on top of that difficulty see <laughs> I know my words. The search was difficult. <laughs> it was a difficult search full of difficulties. Uh, <laughs> but on top of that, uh, the area was hit with freezing temperatures and heavy rains. The FBI, NCIS, Marines, and a dozen of vo- and dozens of volunteers joined the effort to find Casey. Authorities sent out helicopters, drones, and K-9 units while divers assessed nearby ponds. Casey, who weighed about 25 pounds and was two feet, four inches tall, was stuck out in conditions so bad that volunteers were eventually turned away from the search. On the third day of the search, a neighbor out walking her dogs heard the voice of a young boy calling for help. Her tip led the search team to a spot where, after trudging through waist-deep water, they found Casey in a mess of vines and thorns. Other than some scratches and bruises, he was fine. What makes this lost and found story so interesting is that Casey said he was not alone. According to his family, in the emergency room, he told everyone he had a friend that was a bear that was with him in the woods. There are bears in the part of my paper turning. I had to print this out because my <laughs> computer is being stupid. Um, <laughs> there are bears in the it's woods. It's so official of sounding. Con- I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> there are bears in the woods of Craven County, but bears are not known to comfort children in the woods. <clears throat> Most would just stay away once they got a whiff of the boy. They're just not. They don't want to go.
1: Yeah, they don't want to go there. Into
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. That said, the first night Casey was out, the temperature dropped to 20 degrees. The second night, there were two inches of rain. Casey Uh. did show signs of being cold, but he said the bear kept him warm. The police and bear experts say it was highly unlikely that a bear protected Casey, but it seems something had to intervene to keep the boy relatively safe.
1: It's a Bigfoot. It's a Bigfoot. The
0: the family believes (laughs) God sent an angel to protect Casey. Bigfoot. But what is extra interesting about this case is that it's not the first time a child disappeared, only to be sound be found safe a few days later, and also say they had been taken care of by a bear.
1: Bigfoot, I'm telling you, (laughs) they called me mad, but no, one day we're going to realize that just Bigfoots, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, whatever you want to call them, the men, the the people of the mountain, the people of the forest, they, uh... They're 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 there. They're real. They're fucking real. I'm telling you. I just know it. I know it in my heart, man. Maybe this is maybe this is leading me to my own folie a deux, but it's, I fucking believe it.
0: Why do you think I am reading these to you?
1: Ah, ah, <laughs> ah, You're coming over <laughs> my uh, side. They're
0: just Next, we're going stories. on a weird
1: road trip together.
0: Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, next, we have James Vaughn from Idaho. This is <clears throat> back know in James 1883. I James Vaughn back in the day.
1: I didn't know James Vaughn back then, but I knew James Vaughn. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, This is in 1883. The Salt Lake Tribune reported that an 18-month-old boy, James Vaughn, had been carried off by a bear, taken into the mountains, and found well the next day. (laughs) James' mom was outside doing laundry when she realized her son was missing. She went to her neighbors for help, and pretty soon, most of the neighborhood had come together to search for James. The searchers came across the tracks of a very large bear while looking for James. Mm-hmm. They followed the tracks all day until they had to call off the search for e- for the evening once night came. They picked up where they left off the next morning, and around 10 a.m., they found James curled up in the weeds and bushes, sound asleep. The spot was clearly the bed of a very large bear Who Mm. had abandoned the spot seemingly when the searchers had arrived? It did not appear that the boy had wandered upon the site and then slept there, but that the bear had been there with him.
1: Maybe bears have like this code of ethics that they have to follow. (laughs) Like if they find an abandoned child, then it's like, well, there goes the rest of your day. Um, And I can see. Now I've got
0: to take care of this shithead.
1: So, yeah, I could see (laughs) the bears being like, oh, god damn it, is that a kid?
0: Fucking people. Oh, fuck. And they take it off and like,
1: please, someone find Mm. this little shithead. It.
0: <laughs> stupid is some sort of like curse from Walt Disney or something like that uh, <laughs> damn that Disney uh,
1: they call so, they call all of us Mowgli's <laughs> <yeah.
0: laughs>
1: god damn it another Mowgli fuck I hope we don't have to yeah. raise this one too please,
0: do, please don't make me sing bear necessities please ah <laughs> oh, fuck it's just uh.
1: <laughs> bear necessities that's it we can't sing bear anymore bear necessities <laughs> Forget about (laughs) Uh, it.
0: Okay, so the eighteen month old boy was four miles from where the from where he had disappeared across very rough terrain. They checked him for teeth marks, other or other injuries, assuming that the bear would have had to carry him in his mouth over such a large distance. James was fine. See, that's the thing. Because bears I...
1: bears don't just fucking like, carry things in their arms. <laughs> like they're carrying groceries. They don't. It's not what they do. It's Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot. Interesting. And, Bigfoot. It's an... and the searchers found and they thought they saw, they thought it was bear tracks, but it wasn't their bear tracks. They were just like, we're going to so... call it bear tracks because if we say Bigfoot, this story is no one's going to fucking believe it. So it's a bear. It's just a bear.
0: It's very interesting, <laughs> interesting take. Um, <laughs> he was only 18 months, though, so he could not put in his two cents and explain what happened. Right? Mm. But moving on, we have Ida Mae Curtis in Montana. In July of 1955, two-year-old Ida Mae Curtis went missing from a lumber camp in Kootenai National Forest in Montana. Here is the article in the Canberra Times about the disappearance. Safe after being taken by a bear. New York, Tuesday. <laughs> <the> Two-year <laughs> Ida Mae No, <laughs> that, headline,
1: that headline rather kind of spoils it. They, they weren't very big on yeah. the, like, they were just like, it's safe. Everyone go home. I'm like, well, I have
0: to read the article now. Thanks. Uh, maybe, I should, maybe I should read it more dramatically. Safe after being taken by a bear. <laughs> okay. Two-year-old Ida Mae Curtis, missing overnight amid fears, uh, wait, overnight. Arid. Feared to have been the victim of a prowling bear was found yesterday in a small hole only 30 yards from the Montana lumber camp from which she vanished on Sunday. She was discovered safe and sound, apart from minor cuts and bruises, beneath a cedar tree near a small stream in the rugged Cabinet Mountains, after hundreds of searchers, plagued by heavy rains and threats of snow, had scoured mountain trails so heavily covered with underbrush that they could only cover 1,000 feet in in six hours. Uh-huh. The child, taken to Libby Hospital, showed no, no internal injuries, such as she might have suffered had she been mauled by a bear. Uh-huh. Ida is uh-huh. too young to talk, so the full story of what happened to her in a night of near-freezing point temperature may never be known. The search for the child was touched off when the mother, Mrs. M.E. Curtis, mother of eight, was quoted as saying that other children at a lumber camp, 17 miles southeast of Libby, had told her a bear had lumbered into the Curtis tent, picked up Ida with one paw, then headed back into the woods on three legs. As the story spread, scores of armed volunteers set off in driving rain to hunt the bear. But the American Associated Press said last night there was no indication that the bear played any part in the child's disappearance. A lumber worker, John Horn, said it seemed certain that the child just wandered away and then everybody got excited because bears had been seen around there.
1: Yeah, no one, no one fucking saw a bear scoop a child up with their front paw. Like this is not how bears work.
0: Apparently, her family always stuck to their story that she had been taken by a bear. Her grandfather and brother actually saw a bear leave with something in its arm hobbling on three legs. The police and press did not take those reports seriously. But she was found <laughs> She was found after hard rain and a snowstorm hit the area. Roughly 300 yards and across a creek from where she had disappeared. And she was found in a crude shelter of cedar slashings. Cedar slashings, which would have been way too heavy for her to lift. So who made the shelter? Add to that the fact that Ida Mae had no teeth marks or even scratches, nor did she show any signs of exposure from the snowstorm. She wasn't even wet, which is especially odd considering she had to have crossed the creek to get to her location. Something or someone had to have carried her, but who? Or what? Uh, Number four.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, though, I want to say, like, if this bear really did just take the child and then be like, "Fuck, I, this, this, I can't, this, I'm, they're on me, they're onto me, I've got to leave the child." <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, bear what? Out. Why? Really?
1: And I'm just thinking, it's like a member of the bear family that just doesn't get it, and like came home, and Mama Bear was like, "No, Reggie, I said, baby cabbage." Uh, <laughs> He's like, go fucking take that back. and Take it back. <laughs> and he's like, any kid was like.
0: Now we have to I, move.
1: I, 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 yeah, I totally took it back. Did you take it back to the tent? <laughs> yeah, <I> told, totally. A <laughs> uh,
0: little girl Davis in Boyceville, New York. In May of 1888, a -a two-and-a-half-year-old girl went missing from near her family home in the Catskill Mountains. The girl's father, Millard Davis, took a search party to look for her, but no sign of her was found until the next day when a trout fisherman a few miles from the Davis house came upon the little girl standing in the middle of the creek alone. The fisherman took the little girl back to her family, and she told her family that she had spent the night sleeping in the woods with a big bear. Although she was questioned extensively, she never deviated from her story that she'd been with a bear the whole night. Like the others, she did not have teeth marks or scratches. (laughs) Bigfoot. I was waiting for it. Number five. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Alice Rachel Peck in Burns Valley, Pennsylvania. On August 25th, 1898 three-year-old Alice Rachel Peck wandered off from her home in Burns Valley in an effort to follow her mother, who was out picking berries not too far away. Unfortunately, Alice got lost, so a massive search was launched to try and find the missing girl. After three days of no trace of her, she was found safe and somewhat sound nearly five miles from where she had vanished. The girl was reportedly in a sort of trance at first, but when she came back to her senses, she was able to relate how she remembered meandering barefoot along an abandoned abandoned road, <laughs>
1: even, though,
0: <Barefoot>. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> ah, even though she had been wearing shoes shortly before her disappearance, as well as a bonnet that had also vanished, and that she had nothing to eat but a few berries. When asked how she'd managed to overcome the series of steep drops and boulders that stood in the way of where she had gone missing and where she had been found, she gave the cryptic response, the black man helped me. Who she claimed had guided her and carried her over obstacles, notably away from where she had disappeared. Most people at the time found it perplexing because there were only white people that they knew of in that area. Again, eighteen ninety-eight.
1: So uh, it sounds to me like somewhere mean... in that area there is maybe a child Bigfoot walking around with a new pair of shoes and a bonnet.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> there also could be people living in the forest that they just didn't know about. Like to me, that's true it could be safer to live deep in the woods where nobody's around
1: right right Um, if you're a person of color i don't want to live next to white people
0: (laughs) right yeah i don't want to be around all these white people fuck that uh i don't either to be fair (laughs) 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 okay and so last up we have katie flynn from walhalla michigan in 1868, a three year old girl went missing in northern Michigan as she was at a lumber camp in the forest area outside of Walhalla that was run by her father, Henry Flynn.
1: More she often camps. accompanied
0: him at work. I know, and it's another lumber yard. Yeah, a yeah. A couple of these I had to double check to make sure they were different stories than they are. Right. Um,
1: Interesting. It's like, yeah. it's like see, that's the thing. Bears don't really hang around lumber yards because the people, but maybe Bigfoot do because they're like, why y'all fucking up our woods? Just saying, um, just saying. I again they call me mad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Uh so there's a forest area outside of Walhalla. Father ran the lumber camp. She would come with him sometimes just to kind of hang out and play around outside, because you could play around outside um back then. <laughs> and, right. Um just kind of in the general vicinity. So At some point during the day, Henry had assumed she'd gone home, but when he got back to his house after work, Katie wasn't there. A search was launched immediately, during which the panicked father enlisted the help of two hunters to try and find her. They checked one of the trails she was known to run around on and found a set of her tracks slowly merging with the tracks of a very large bear. They kept searching until night and then started again the next day. In the late afternoon, um, they heard shouts of a uh, of a young girl nearby in a nah, dense park. You almost said
1: course. yeti. I almost you almost said yeti. I heard it.
0: Oh, <laughs> of a young girl. It doesn't even say. <laughs> I'm just reading from the paper. Okay. I did. I almost said it. Uh, they <laughs> yas <yate. laughs> yas yas uh, <laughs> yeti. They described it as uh, the, the shout they heard as muffled and muted, um, like sounds coming from further away than they were as though through some veil or blanket. The yeah. hunters claimed that they followed the source of the shouts to a river and that as they fought through the brush to approach, they could hear a large splash, after which uh. they saw an enormous black shape that they took to be a bear entering the water and swimming towards the opposite shore. Meanwhile, Katie was standing on a log that was sitting partially in the river. She had some scratches on her hands and face, but other than that, had no injuries. When the girl was found, she seemed to be rather shaken up and claimed she'd been playing around in the sand after her father had left her for a bit, when a large black thing came along and started to play with her. Then it held up its paw and she took it and they started walking together. It left her for a little while when it started getting dark and came back with a paw full of berries. They both ate some of the berries and then laid down to get go to sleep next to each other. She said it had covered her with its fur to keep her warm. She called the bear Mr. Wolf and said that <laughs> the bear had they had seen was named Mr. Wolf and that he had eaten her hat, taken her shoes, and then and had refused to let her leave under any circumstances. It makes you wonder, how did the bear hold berries in its paw?
1: <laughs> I love that that's our question. Um, I mean, I mean that's so many the things. first
0: thing is, how would a bear hold berries in a well, paw? Well, and also,
1: and you have to consider, and I'm sure it's possible, but how would a bear... How would a possibly. child be able to interpret the body language of a bear to know that it didn't want you to go anywhere? Like unless right. the bear was very aggressive. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert on the body language of bears, but I feel like if it was more humanoid, then the body language would be pretty obvious to even to a child. That oh, okay, the, this Mr. Wolf doesn't want me to leave. But a bear, it, I don't know. It just feels like it's that yeah. it, it would take a little more. It would seem to take a little more nuance to puzzle out what the bear means uh, for a child, mm-hmm. especially. Uh, I, but yeah. that's, and again, I, you know, maybe it's, I mean, there's two weird things it could be. It's either a fucking Bigfoot, which is weird, or it's a bear that can do these things, which is also fucking weird. Um, so yeah. I, I don't know.
0: Or it's a person that's bearish, right?
1: I mean, like that's also big... possible, but that's, I mean, but there we're practically in Bigfoot territory. Because, yeah. I mean, I don't know what a Bigfoot is. I think a Bigfoot could be a type of feral human that's just kind of maybe branched off in their own little evolutionary cul-de-sac out in the woods yeah. or in various well, places. Well, and it makes
0: you wonder, too, like, why did she call it Mr. Wolf? Some reports said that she called it a big dog, but I saw one that said that she called it Mr. Wolf.
1: And she called it Mr. Wolf because it was—it looked like it was wearing the fur it had. Like, maybe it looked like yeah. it was wearing a pelt, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Well, but and they
0: were—they walked away together? Like, she grabbed its paw, and they walked away together. Bears don't
1: don't generally do that. Um, No,
0: and bear experts say it's not a thing they do. They don't take in wandering children. They... Um, They generally stay away. As soon as they smell people, they're gone. It's not very common to run into them Mm -hmm. unless they have babies. They're protecting the babies because they are going to get out of there. I actually saw this really funny video of this guy in a tent, and his feet are kind of dangling out of his tent, and there's a curious bear that comes up and is kind of sniffing his feet. (laughs) And the guy kind of wiggles his feet because it tickles. And then he sees the bear (laughs) and pulls his feet in, and that bear is gone so fast, like just out of there. Peaced out like completely gone, so um it's just not like they they would rather not have that conflict. It's kind of crazy um, but that is some stories as soon as I, I heard I was like, this is these are squatchy stories. Michael needs these squatchy stories i
1: I love these stories. It just makes me think too, yeah. like so when we were visiting Brandon's aunt in uh, uh, um Alaska. We went on a hiking trail with her, and we kept hearing little bells every now and again uh, in the brush, yeah. like little, little, little bells, like cat bells or something, you know, pet bells. And, um, and we were like, "What the hell is that?" And she was like, "Oh, well, people w- would they take their dogs with them? You know, you don't really take your dog on a leash. Um, you just dogs are well trained enough to keep up with you and stuff. You want the dog to go off and have a good time, but always rejoin you in the path. So these people kind of train their dogs to be able to keep up with them, even though they're not, you know, on a leash. But they will put." little bells on them because the sound scares off bears Mm -hmm. so bears are actually very easily startled Mm -hmm. um, unless they're threatened you know unless they're trying to protect their their cubs or you know there's something wrong with them and they're hungry or something like that but it's you know because remember even the Timothy Treadwell thing the guy that lived out and was killed by the grizzly bear like he was he managed Mm -hmm. to live with those fucking bears on and off for 10 fucking years before a total new bear just killed him because it wasn't the bear didn't recognize him yeah and and was probably looking for food before it was hibernating. I believe is what happened. I could be wrong about that but but, yeah, this is not bear behavior but but yeah. these descriptions do sound like people that have seen something else that's even weirder, and the only thing they know to call it is a bear. Uh, it's the only thing that yeah. makes sense because they just don't have they're just it's it's it beggar's belief to think that there could be some kind of bipedal primate undiscovered in the wilderness, although it's only undiscovered to us. It seems, you know, native peoples have known about these creatures for a very long time because it's in every fucking mythology, quote unquote mythology. And and they
0: talk about the bear prints, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, that's a bear print, but you're also, those, a lot of those stories are coming out of the 1800s. And so is it something they see? It's not like they had the internet to Google search what a bear print was. Right. Um, I had a They're just gonna assume it's a bear print based on
1: size. They're gonna be like, well, that that has to be a bear. I don't know how that's a bear, but it's a bear. It has to be a bear, bear.
0: it's big, but it's gotta be a bear. Yeah, like I had a a house where it snowed in the backyard and it was next to a creek and I could see some cat of some sort had walked up Mm. from the path, had come by the window like to look in my house and then walked back down into the creek. And so I took a picture of the paw print and went online and I thought, because I, I, it didn't look like a bobcat print. It didn't look like a cat print. It was more like a dog print. And it was huge. And I was like, is there a stray dog? Mm-hmm. But when I looked it up, um, it was a cougar. Mm. I don't know. They're not really mountain lions in Dallas, but that's what that paw print was. And it now, see, was so what I,
1: When you said so that, creepy. my first thought was I pictured a woman in her 50s oh, yeah. in a crop top. Um, and a yeah, pair of like leopard there. print leotard, like walking it's up like, and looking in your window.
0: <laughs> yeah. Should, should no, it judgment. It be downtown, no judgment. No <laughs> judgment. No judgment. There are a lot of bars I'm pretty sure that you go to downtown. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh,
1: that was very, thank you. Thank very you. Very
0: crazy stories. Very, but everybody mm-hmm. was found. It's just. Taken by bears, apparently Make rescued fun. by I a bear, and then and then the most think, recent is from two, three years ago,
1: two years ago, two years ago. That's it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Jamie. Thank you.
0: No problem. You. No problem. Yeah. My
1: goodness. You know yeah. what? We so, we should probably wrap soon because my internet connection is is uh, I get it, that little thing where it says unstable, and I'm I, like
0: I've noticed that you froze for a minute. You froze for, like, a minute. Oh, you, you froze
1: for a minute. You froze. Again. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry if I froze. I'm so sorry. Uh,
1: Yeah, no. I don't uh, know what's happening. Bigfoot. Thank you
0: to our patrons. Um, Stay tuned for our chats. They won't be this weekend, but I think the weekend after that and the weekend after that. Uh, Yeah. So because I won't be in town this weekend, so we can't do the chat this weekend. But um, go and get the girls.
1: Travel safe. Tell the girls we said hi at some point when you get back with them. We'll have to FaceTime.
0: Yes, we will. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody. Uh, until next time, stay safe. Stay sane. And remember. And remember.
1: <sighs> it's, okay it's okay to sleep with the lights, the lights on.
0: on. Have fun syncing that one up, Matt. We love Bigfoot. Ya. Bye. Bigfoot. Squatch. Bigfoot. <laughs>